Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. When unearthing evidence of the past, it is unbelievable to read the lengths that governments will go to spy on other sovereign nations. I'm sure your mind went right to Cold War era espionage, which, if you've been a listener of The Missing Chapter for any period of time, you would know that's one of our favorite eras and topics to talk about. And of all the spy tech that came out of that time period, what I'm about to tell you will probably shock you as much as it shocked me the first time I heard about it. The use of a certain animal to spy on foreign nationals. No, I'm not talking about messenger pigeons or crows or the loyal and obedient man's best friend. I'm talking about an animal that is known for its disobedience and training resistance. But I won't share with you what animal it is just yet. Well, at least not right now. Welcome to the missing chapter, everyone. Let's get to it. Before we get started today, I just want to wish my sister Wendy a very happy birthday. The firstborn of our family and an avid listener of The Missing Chapter. Happy birthday, Wendy. Love you lots. Welcome back to The Missing Chapter podcast, season four here with Phil Schaff and Phil Horinder. Phil, um, in, in many ways, this has been you know kind of a long trip, but at the same time, it, it seemed to happen pretty quick. We're into year four, over 150 episodes of The Missing Chapter podcast over 90,000 downloads, 72 different countries. It doesn't seem possible. I never would have imagined this no, when we I... first started this gig. Uh, very, very humbling. Yes. Um, so for everybody who has been a, an avid listener, I know uh, you know we have a lot of family. There's, there's people all over the country, which is, once again, <laughs> unbelievable, yeah. absolutely remarkable and humbling. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you to all of our listeners for continued support, for the emails, for the messages uh and for the suggestions of how we can always improve and adapt and i think we're doing that for season four so you might hear a little bit different sounds coming out of us for season four we're testing out some new equipment here um we got some new stylish headphones which obviously you guys can't see right now so we're we're constantly adapting and and adjusting this to make sure this is the uh best podcast we can make this absolutely new season new equipment new episodes new coffee oh yeah so we're doing a duncan roast it's a dark roast it's candied almond and you brought it in the other day we brewed it for the first time this morning and we're already done with the pot (laughs) and we haven't even looking at the time it's 905 and we've already kicked a pot so it's really really good it is a dark roast but it does have an a sweet element to it that makes it a little bit different. Yep. Uh, we, we partnered it up with some different creamers that we have. I went caramel macchiato. It's really good. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Reminds me a little bit of the Utica roasting cinnamon bun. Yes. With a little bit of a more spice, more mm-hmm. kick. Yep. But yeah, this is A great. nice autumnal flavor. Sure. And, and we're sitting here around the microphone again. We're back from a summer. We're re-energized. We're ready to bring some great stories to our listeners. Absolutely. Out there in Missing Chapter podcast land. So, all right. A week ago. We we posted taxi taxi. Yes. All right. Now there is a, a, a an interesting follow up. We didn't plan it this way. I I heard this story a while back. I re, I you know I saved it in one of my my archives. And uh, when you said taxi taxi, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. So I pulled this up, put this together, and let's see if we can put the whole thing um, together as well. All right, Phil, it's all you. 
right, so this is an animal. I don't know if you guys heard me right at the end of the intro, but this is an animal that is infamously, notoriously disobedient. Why would anyone want to use an animal that is kind of re refusing or resisting any, any sort of training? Um, we'll get into that. But right at the end of the intro, I mentioned something uh, pretty brief. And if you're a movie fan, maybe you caught up, uh, caught into that, which was at least not right meow. So maybe with the title, with the intro, kind of gave it away. But let's get into it here. Cats, spy, spy cats. Little background info. I know we've shared how many similarities we have. Right. right. Uh, within the past couple of years, we've added another similarity. Yes. Our own cats. Yeah, and that was unintentional, at least for Complete. our household. Yeah, completely. You know, we uh, we were spending uh, an afternoon on our back deck and. Uh, my older son, Andrew, heard a, a, a very soft meowing, and it turns out someone had abandoned a cat at our house, and who knew? I mean, yeah. Unexpectedly, we we added a, a new family member. And then you showed me a picture, and I'm yeah. like, w w that's like the exact same cat they we could, have. They should be relatives. My my cat's name is Poppy's. Yours is Koopa Troopa. Koopa Troopa. For all of you Mario <laughs> Brothers fans out there. But, uh, Phil, what's interesting to me, this is not our first cat podcast episode that's true and already i'm thinking you know if you fall into one of those two camps of am i a cat person or a dog person i think the dog people tend to say well you know cats you can't really teach them anything you can't really right. you know other than domesticating them they're they're there but do they do tricks do they follow you know orders it's kind of like the cats are the you know that's kind of in their their dna not yeah, to do that that's true yeah right. it, it, what's what's odd our cat follows me around the house and i know you you've said the same thing yeah. and they have their own personalities so mine actually i'll even say all right go to the front door i'll let you outside and somehow she knows uh if you rattle this you know snacks they, they know that yeah. but to train them for a an op yeah like, why would anyone choose that? Well, I think there's there's some elements to this. So let's okay. let's get right into it. The CIA believed that with the right training, now I think that's the age old you know, mantra. It's like herding cats, right? Training cats. How do you do that? Um, but they believed the CIA believed that they could become good spies. And the one trait that they were picking up on, at least according to some of the sources I've seen, the Smithsonian uh, History Channel did a small little blurb on this, but. Uh, some of the sources read that it was the curiosity that a cat held that they wanted to tap into. Now, you got to remember, this is the 60s, okay? So how they could tap into a cat's curiosity electronically uh, without giving it away that this is like a, a Frankenstein cat. Right, right. And, and cats have always had the curiosity element. Yes. Curiosity killed yes. the cat. Right. So it was thought that a cat would be could be wired to record sound and that they would be able to go unnoticed. Uh, so with the use of certain audio cues, mm -hmm. they could be controlled to go where it would re record interesting sounds, like, let's say, talks between Soviet leaders and maybe U.S. ambassadors. And it's, I can understand to a certain extent, like, hey, here comes a cat. It's just a pet cat that have roamed around the office. So when they're when they're, uh, you know, recording certain uh, important meetings, you have this cat just coming up and brushing up against the Soviet leader. And you're petting the cat, whatever. And then meanwhile, it's recording everything. See, that element's brilliant. All right. That's right. pretty smart. Uh, and once again, the, the length at which the United States government and the Soviet government mm -hmm. at the time were going to spy on each other is, is unbelievable. It's remarkable. But according to the Smithsonian, there's a, uh, um, a former assistant to the CIA director. His name is Victor Marchetti. 
basically involved with creating this Frank and Kitty. All right. Now here's where it gets a little interesting. Now, let me just backtrack for a quick second. For, for those of you that are like, there's no way this is true. Now it's open and pretty much open dialogue that there was a, there was a, um, an operation called MK ultra, which is the mind altering mission. And now after knowing that, I don't think it's actually too unbelievable that they would do this too, because the, the mind altering tricks that they try to use on their own people, on uh, other animals was, was pretty disgusting. And they, they obviously had, you know, some trials for this. So here's what they would do. Uh, at least the mission was an operation acoustic kitty. Hmm. They would slit the cat open according to Marchetti, put batteries in the cat, wire him up and they made a monstrosity. All right. So Matt Soniak from Mental Flaw says, quote, it actually took five years to complete. After all, creating a high tech cat was no small task in an era of reel to reel audio recording and room sized computers. And I thought that did a really good job of kind of describing what was going to be a 60s era recording device in a cat. Mm -hmm. You have to make it small enough. Which you know, obviously, we have we have computer chips, you know, the size of you know the the tips of uh, you know hair, so incredibly small. But how do you make a cat still look like a cat with no weird like, protrusions or suspicious scars or anything like that, and make it completely normal, operational, and do its job and its function? So here's here's a direct quote. Soniak explains. Working with outside audio equipment contractors, the CIA built a three quarter inch long transmitter to embed at the base of the cat's skull. Finding a place for the microphone was difficult at first, but the ear canal turned out to be prime and seemingly obvious real estate. The antenna was made from fine wire and woven all the way to the tail through the cat's long fur to conceal it. The batteries also gave the techies a little trouble since the cat's size limited them to using only the smallest batteries and restricted the amount of time the cat would be able to record. So in my head, I'm thinking, the heck i mean in the 1960s they yeah watch batteries like and what are you what are you using you're not using double a and this really does give me the impression of a franken cat yeah it does um and it kind of made me cringe there when you were talking about the base of the skull but i, I mean know. they're they're using internal devices with external elements using the fur to kind of mask a lot of what's going on here yeah. wow this is quite the operation it is a franken kitty yeah um so my my initial question after reading through this was how the heck? I mean, number one, someone's got to come up with this idea. Mm -hmm. Why? Okay, you want it to happen in the cat's care? Yes, got it. But number two, how much money are you going to have to spend in right. order to make this happen? You ready for this? The agency poured some estimates of confirmed ten million, upwards of unconfirmed twenty million dollars into designing, operating on, and training the first acoustic kitty, according to several accounts. When it came time. For the inaugural mission, all right, CIA agents released their rookie agent from the back of a nondescript van and watched eagerly as the cat set out on its mission. So here we are. You've put all of this time and almost $20 million into this thing. Let's figure out what happened and why we still don't see Operation Acoustic Kitty in 2023. Acoustic Kitty with its mission and audio cues, everything's off and ready, dashed off towards the embassy, making a full 10 feet before it was struck by a passing taxi and killed. <laughs> well, that, 
That's a little disappointing. <laughs> so I, well, my, my question going in before the taxi element to this, and now I can see the connection between last week's story and this. There this you week's go. Story. Yeah. So the device that was implanted in the cat is is strictly audio recording. Yes. So everything else, though, the cat's not being controlled in any way. It's given cues and essentially trained yes. to go certain places. Yes. From what I can gather, it doesn't seem like a remote controlled kitty. Okay. Okay. But it, That's like what I was you, trying yeah. to separate. Like you said, it's it's more of a, hey, we're going to train the cat you know, for certain areas to go through audio cues, mm-hmm. but train them to go to a certain place right. and then record. Yes. Okay. And then transmit back to whoever's in the van outside or whatever. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Phil, part of this is just seems like poor planning. Too. Yeah. Like if you're going to let this $20 million cat out of the bag or out of the car, why aren't you on the other side of the road? Yeah. So you do all this technical planning and, and plotting and preparation, and then someone lets it out in a position where it could be struck by a car. Like, yeah, maybe that's true. Why, why have it cross a street? Right. Like, that to me is just, that seems like common obvious. sense. Are you, part no of, you should be part of the CIA. No one's expecting a cat to be the spy. Maybe just let it out right at the door. <laughs> well, hey, we'll, we'll end here before the break, before our sponsors here, that uh, Marchetti recalls, he said, there they were, sitting in the van, staring at the middle of the road, and their $20 million cat was dead. Okay, we're back from the break. Phil, I, I don't want to say that was anticlimactic for the listeners, <laughs> but I have to imagine investing all of that time, all that money, um, in the hopes that something w- would come about in a process like that had to be fairly anticlimactic for the people involved. I would have to think so, especially yeah. the, the people who released the cat and, and invested all that time and money and uh, $20 million worth could have been spent better elsewhere. I, I would I'm think yes. I'm wondering if the cat became a metaphor for their jobs and their careers after that. <laughs> That's a great point. I never thought about that. Uh, yeah. And listen, before we get to the last part, I do want to... Um, say hi to somebody, someone special here, my sister, Wendy. Uh, it is her birthday today. So I wanted to make sure and, and wish Wendy a happy birthday. Happy Love birthday. you, Wendy. Uh, my oldest sister. So yes, happy birthday, Wendy. Um, so back to the story. So let's let's finish this up because there's got to be something to learn uh, from this failure. I mean, we could, we could consider this a $20 million failure. Um, but there was a heavily redacted memo, which was entitled Views on trained cats that was held in the NSA, which is the National Security Administration Archive at George Washington University, uh, suggests that the project wasn't viewed as a total failure. Now, I don't know if this is a way of, of I don't know, recommitting themselves back to this project to right. say like, hey, it wasn't a total failure. We learned from this. We mm-hmm. learned from all failures. So I, I don't know if it was that or maybe it really was something they learned. But Well, they, they never went back and tried to conduct a, a similar experiment, correct? No. One, so that kind of speaks volumes too, right? Yeah, yeah. So it says in quote, you know, once again, this is heavily redacted. There's some, um, uh, I can post this on, on our social media. There, there's a an actual scanned paper document, which is kind of hard to read, but I, I will do my best to read at least part of it. It says, our final examination of trained cats for use in the something, it got cut off here, convinced us that the program would not lend itself in a practical way to our highly specialized needs. Uh, however, discovering that, quote, cats can indeed 
be trained to move short distances was in itself a remarkable scientific achievement. Now, I think, in my own opinion, after reading that, that to me looks like you are really searching for the silver lining. I think so, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> can be trained to move short distances. How, how short was the distance? 10 feet between right. the, the car that it was released from and the car that it was struck? I, it just, I don't know. I, that, that seems a little bit of a stretch to it, me. It does, for sure. Um, it says, if any further acoustic kitties were created, the documentation has it come to light, but the advent of tiny computers and high-tech spy equipment has likely been part of the reason the project hasn't been revisited. Um, I mean, really, it, it boils down to the fact that it was a 10 to $20 million radio transmitter. Yeah. Now, what's interesting, though, is after I tapped into this, I think this is gonna there's going to be a follow-up to this episode, maybe not necessarily with the cat part of this, but something that's really, over the summer, getting into some of the, um, the documentary series that we watch and so forth and, and some of the things we, we read over the summer, it has really gotten me thinking about this this project uh, where you're testing certain spy equipment and getting other government agencies to participate. So the U.S. government's days of animal engineering, a lot of people thought were over. However, in 2006, the Pentagon uh, started what's called DARPA, and it's gaining a lot of momentum. Why recently, after 17 years in existence? I'm not sure, but there's been a bunch of um, uh, articles, uh, websites, TV series now about DARPA. And it's, and it's the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. And the things that are coming out of DARPA are unbelievable, mm -hmm. including cyborg insects, um, remotely controlled beetles, uh, birds that appear to be 100% real, but they're not. They're just perched on a, on a wire somewhere listening into conversations of foreign agencies. So th there's a lot to this. Uh, and I think we're going to have a little bit of a follow-up episode based on the findings of acoustic kitty yeah and you know phil it's it's not like the military in particular using and trying to, to harness animals to their advantage is not new i mean yeah. we talked about you know we've documented some cases here on the missing chapter podcast but you, when you think about the use of you know pigeons right you you know dogs certainly during wartime i mean this is not new it's just it's new ways of you know we never thought insects or birds maybe but um, it kind of makes sense in that sense. Uh, that, it, that sense. It that, does. I mean, if we we've we've talked on the on the missing chapter here before about about the spy museum in Washington. Oh, fantastic! Uh, you know the the great seal that we had that episode where you know you, you have all this technology that in the '60s, which was mind boggling. But then you go to the the spy museum and you see all the ways in which we're trying to listen in. And what what was a very very common thing is that obviously you don't want you don't want to let anyone know that you're listening. So this is one of those ways where it's the common things every single day that we right. just we look at and we don't even think twice about. We see squirrels in upstate New York all the time. Right. Uh, we see birds all the time. We see you know uh, kittens all yeah. the time. Well, that's know? it. So yeah. all these things that, yeah. that play into the fact that it's just normalcy when in fact those things can be used to spy. It's pretty incredible. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, I'm Phil Horander. And I'm Phil Schaff. Another chapter has been added to the history textbooks.